Thanks for checking out the Harvest Valley Church podcast. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are accepted. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages and challenges you. Now here is the Sunday AM message. It's a beautiful Sunday, and I can't think of a better place to be than in the house of God with fellow believers in Christ. Amen. Worship was awesome today. Thank you, Pastor Eric and the team for, for, for ushering us into the presence of God. Before we dive into today's message, let us take a moment to pray, shall we? Father, we come to you today in the name of your beloved Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We come for a word and season. We come, Father, for fresh manna from heaven, a download that comes from the treasury of your heart to ours. Holy Spirit, Please give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Position our hearts, O God, and touch our minds that we might receive all that you have for us. We pray that Jesus would be glorified in all that is said and done. Breathe life into your people, God. Refresh us today, Father, for we need you. Desperately, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. So we are now in week four of our No Guts, No Glory series on Courage. I pray that you've all been blessed so far. This series is so timely because how many of you can see and feel that there is a spiritual battle raging in the earth right now? This battle of good and evil over the nations, over politics, over culture, over the truth, over church. Another spiritual battle that is raging in our lives is the battle for the very souls of our loved ones and their well-being. Our families are one of the most important things in our lives. And something we may not want to acknowledge is that many of our loved ones, our family members, are on that broad road of destruction. If they don't change the way they live their lives and surrender to Jesus, then they will not make it into heaven. This is a sobering truth. So what are we supposed to do? It makes no sense to to beat them over the head with the gospel if they refuse to listen and put a wall around their heart. But we can't just sit by idly and do nothing either. In today's message, I want to discuss how as sons and daughters of the Most High God, we have authority to stand in the gap and petition heaven for our loved ones. If any of you in that place where your loved ones are not where they are supposed to be, and you've been crying out, seeking God for your families to be touched and walking right before the Lord, then join me as we learn about Jarius, a man who had the courage to stand in the gap for his family. If you have your Bibles, please open them to Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56. We're going to read the Bible today. Is that all right? Is it all right if we read the Bible in the house of God? All right, it's his word, right? All right. So I'm going to paint you a little backdrop before we get into our text. Jesus had been in a graveyard, and he had just delivered a man who was possessed by many demons. After he drives the demons out, the man is in his right mind and at peace. Well, the people that that witnessed and heard about what, what happened, they got all flustered. They asked Jesus to to leave their land, so Jesus obliges them 
gets into a boat with his disciples and crosses the Sea of Galilee. After getting to the other side of Galilee, lo and behold, there's this large crowd of people who are familiar with Jesus. Jesus probably visited them before. This is where we pick up on our text. Luke verses, chapter 8, verses 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude had welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was the ruler of a synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had, only, had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitude thronged him. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, has spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? Oh, when all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes uh, throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, uh, for I perceived power going out from me. Now, now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler's synagogue's house, saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, do not be afraid. Only believe. And she, may, and she uh, will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go into the house except for Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She's not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them to tell no one what has happened. Let me tell you a little bit about this man, Jarius. Jarius was a synagogue ruler, a religious man of high stature and, and influence. <clears throat> For him to push through the crowds of people, the, the, the multitudes, and fall at Jesus' feet, this took courage. He, he wasn't thinking about his reputation or worried uh, about looking foolish. He humbled himself before Jesus. He recognized that he was powerless to do anything to help his daughter on his own, and he began to beg Jesus for help. Jairus was in desperate need. His daughter was dying, but he believed that Jesus could make her well. That's faith right there. Yes. Believing God to move in the midst of dire circumstances. Because of this man's faith, and seeing the love that he had for his daughter, Jesus agrees to go with Jairus to his house. But along the way, there's a holdup. Not only did Jesus and Jairus have to push their way through the crowds, but now this woman comes along and delays things even further. This woman had been dealing with an issue of, of bleeding for 12 years. It was a very, uh, her sickness was a very private, personal one. It was probably a menstrual issue of some sort. It wasn't a, a disease that she'd feel comfortable 
speaking about in a large crowd. The disease she suffered from, even doctors could not be, make, make well. She paid all of her money to the doctors, and they, they, instead of getting better, they grew wor- she grew worse. This woman must have heard about Jesus and, and, and how he performed miracles. I don't know what the woman knew, but one thing she did know was that she needed a miracle. She wanted to be better, and she went to the one who could heal her. As, amen. As the woman squeezed through the crowd and got closer to, close, closer to Jesus, she thought, if only I could touch the hem of his garment, I would, be made, I would be made well. And then when she finally got close enough to Jesus, uh, she, she re- reaches out, touches Jesus' cloak, and immediately uh, the, the blood dries up. She's healed of her, of her sickness. Uh, the sickness that she felt in her body was no longer there. She didn't feel it. Picking up in Mark 5, verse 30, I like the Passion Translation. Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him, for he felt the power that always surged around him had passed through him for someone to be healed. He turned and spoke to the crowd, saying, Who touched my clothes? His disciples answered, What do you mean, who touched you? Look at the huge crowd. They're all pressing up against you. Uh, but, but, uh, but Jesus' eyes uh, swept across the crowd looking for the one who who had touched him for healing. When the woman who experienced this miracle realized what had happened to her, she came before him, trembling with fear, and threw herself down at his feet, saying, I was the one who touched you. And she told him her story of what had just happened. Then Jesus said, Daughter, because you dare to believe, your faith has healed you. Go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus loved this woman. He wasn't upset that, that, that she touched his clothes. Uh, she, she acted in faith, and Jesus rewarded her. Jesus' great power was shown to this woman and to the crowd. This was a great miracle that, that had happened, and Jesus took the time uh, to, to, and, and showed compassion by taking the time to care for this woman's needs. Amen. Just like this woman, sometimes we may have needs that we don't really feel comfortable about sharing with people or a crowd of people. But we can be comforted to know that God knows every need that we may have. And we could talk to him about it and ask him to help us. We may not be able to literally touch the hem of garments, the hem of Jesus' garment, as this woman did, but we could get close to Jesus by spending time alone with him in prayer, through worship, and by reading his word. We can feel his presence when we get into that secret place where it's just you and God and our focus is on Christ and Christ alone. If we are feeling sad or scared and are too embarrassed to share that with anybody, by getting close to Jesus and sharing these feelings with him, we will feel his comfort and encouragement to us. When this woman's actions demanded Jesus' attention, you have to imagine it wasn't easy for Jairus to just stand there, knowing that his father was on the, um, his, excuse me, his daughter was on the brink of death. Uh, imagine, even though this miracle 
had been done right before his very eyes. And the glory of God was on display for everyone to see. You have to imagine for Jarius the anxiety that he must have felt as a father, knowing what was going on with his daughter and not being able to be with her in her time of need. His anxiety must have been through the roof. What's more, after Jesus heals this bleeding woman from her affliction and sends her off in peace, people from Jairus' household come and tell him that his daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? That phrase, why bother, made me think about how sometimes in our lives, when we need something from someone, we may be too afraid to ask because we're afraid or worried that we're bothering them. Or better yet, we say, why bother when all of our hope is, is faded? We think it's over. It's the end. Why even try? Brothers and sisters, no matter how small nor how big the need is, I can tell you with great certainty that our Father in heaven cares. We are never bothering or pestering God when we have concerns. In fact, he tells us to keep on knocking, keep on asking, keep on seeking, and he will answer. God will bring justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. Amen? Jarius couldn't have given up right then and there on Jesus when he received word that his daughter was dead, uh, but he didn't. He stays close to Jesus, and Jesus tells him, do not be afraid. Only believe. You see, Jesus can do anything for a person who will believe. We are never bothering Jesus when we have something we need help with. In fact, it brings them pleasure that we put our hope and faith and trust in his strength and his power. Amen. As they continue on their journey, Jesus permits no one else to follow them except for Peter, James, and John. Jesus makes it so that all the other voices that could have influenced Jarius are silenced. He eliminates all distraction and interference. When they got to Jarius' house, however, there was another crowd of people, professional mourners. These are the type of people who will get paid to mourn. Here they were causing an uproar, weeping and wailing. No! Jesus questions them. Why are you guys causing this commotion? This girl isn't dead. She's sleeping. The mourners then ridicule Jesus and make fun of him. They start laughing. What are you talking about, man? Are you out of your mind? I mean, come on. They must have thought Jesus was crazy because the girl was physically dead. Jesus, however, did not let what the mourners thought of him bother him or keep him from showing his great power and love to Jairus and his family. Jesus remains unfazed by the mockery. He makes the naysayers go outside. Pay attention here. The Greek word used is ekbalo, to drive out, to cast out. Ekbalo is often used for driving out demons. It implies forceful action of authority. Jesus exercises his divine authority to get rid of and silence the negative influence 
of doubt and disbelief is God. What Jesus did is an example of what we must also do. Oftentimes, we have friends and family who don't believe and have faith as we do. And more so, these people are friends, family, people we look up to. They may ridicule us and mock our faith in God. Sometimes the people we love and care about will even use our faith against us when it's convenient for them. I'm sure we've heard terms like <clears throat> holy roller, Bible beater, you know, religious freak. Today, the words conservative and traditional uh, equate to being a religious zealot and intolerant. And let's be honest, it's hurtful when those you love hurl insults at you because of what you believe. When those who you thought would encourage you turn around and call you a fool and tell you you're out of your mind, it's actually harder dealing with insults from our friends and family than it is a stranger. But if you and I are going to see the mighty, miraculous hand of God move in our lives, then we're going to have to take the action that Christ did and drive these people out of our situations, even our lives. Doubt and fear does not work together with faith and hope. When we're looking for Almighty God to do the impossible, you cannot be limited to your natural surroundings and limitations. You cannot have naysayers and negative people telling you, oh, what's your situation? And reality is, you must be around those whose hope, whose trust, whose faith rest in Christ and Christ alone. Those who know how to get a prayer through and who want to see the manifestation of God's power work in your life. So all of us, need to take inventory of the people that we trust in our lives with our personal business and struggles. You don't go and tell everyone everything. You don't go to worldly sources and ask for advice, especially about difficult things. You need your inner circle of godly friends, godly believers to stand in the gap with you and believe in the miracle working of Christ Jesus. Amen. Back to the story. Jairus and his wife take Jesus along with the disciples to the room where their little girl lay. And in a very tender moment, Jesus grabs a hold of the little girl's hand and says two words. Talitha kum. Now, Talitha could also mean little lamb. But some Greek scholars find in the word Talitha a Greek root which could point to the talit, or prayer cloak of Jesus, which may have been placed over the little girl. This would, mean Jesus, this would make Jesus' words to mean little girl, little lamb, under the prayer cloak, arise. Amen. When Jesus spoke these words, immediately the girl arose. And those who had witnessed what happened were overcome with great wonder and utter amazement. There was so much tenderness and compassion in the way Jesus spoke over Jairus' daughter. This is how we are to approach people with the Word of God. Thanks for your support. Harvest Valley Church in Pleasanton has a passion to teach and equip people from various journeys of life through the love and grace of Jesus. If you want to connect with us, join us online at harvestvalley.org or on our Facebook page. Thanks for stopping by.